A reading from Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 to 44. Immediately after the suffering of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on that day when the Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left his house be broken into. Therefore, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Thank you. <clears throat> Yikes. With that type of reading, I would cry too. This is a hard passage. It's a very, very hard passage to, uh, to discuss and to talk about. Um, we have been going through the book of, of Matthew. If, if you're just joining us, you're probably looking at this like, yikes, what do these guys, you know, but this is kind of what we've been doing. We, we take uh, books and we uh, just go one story at a time. And, and uh, I, poor, poor Rich, thanks for reading that. But uh, I, every time you volunteer, it seems like you have like the, the worst possible scenario of things that, you know, could happen, you know, Rennie too and, you know, but... Uh, We'll get to joy here real soon. Um, this is, you know, this, there is something that's actually joyful about this as well, too. And we've been reading, uh, this, this is kind of this time. We, we, what's happened is we, we've gone through this time where uh, Jesus has been uh, very critical of the religious leaders. And he kind of goes on this, uh, this series of rants about them and about how they have not kept the Word of God. They have not shown the Word of God. Uh, they haven't done that through their actions, their actions being helping one another, being there for one another, uh, opening up the, the, the kingdom for all people. He's disappointed in them. And now he has walked away from that. He's with his disciples, just his, his buddies. And they start to ask him questions about the temple, about the end of times, 
and so what we're in is this kind of conversation. We're, we're, we're delving into just little bits of it here. And this is one where, we, we actually talked about this last week, where sometimes it's a little bit confusing because sometimes it feels like he's talking about the end of times. And sometimes it feels like he's talking about something that's a little bit more immediate. Uh, and you have to kind of decipher that. When you're having a conversation with somebody, sometimes you do talk about this, and you'll talk about this, you know, and things like that. This is, this is one where I feel like uh, I want to share my opinion of it, if that's okay. I, I, um, I, I follow a lot of uh, theologians. I, I do a lot of study. Uh, one of, uh, a favorite of mine is a, is a guy by the name of Tom Wright. He was the... Uh, Archbishop of Durham in England. Um, he's a very he's a big theologian and all that kind of stuff. And I like to follow you know things that, that he does. Uh, there are things that um, I think about. And there, there's the reason I feel like I want to give my opinion on this is because I think that in some ways this passage we're missing the biggest point of it. Uh, we're, we're missing some of the things that are the most important about this passage. And it's not what we think it is. Uh, first off, he starts out by saying, immediately after the suffering of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall and the powers of heaven will be shaken. What a great conversation starter. Isn't that something? Um, I don't believe at this time that uh, Jesus is talking about the end times. Uh, he mentions to his disciples, this generation will not pass before you see these things happen. I believe at this time what Jesus is talking about is things that are going to be coming a little bit more immediate and things that are really important to us now. It's very important that, you know, we, all about reading scriptures and stuff is reading about things that happened 2,000 years ago and applying them to our lives today. That's the beauty about scripture. I believe that sometimes he's talking about end times, but I believe in this specific time, he's talking about something that's going to be much more significant. And he's prophesying here, and what he's doing here is he is talking in metaphor. He's not saying that the stars are just going to start hitting the earth. What he's talking about is that things are going to crumble. Things are going to get dark and things are going to get bad. We talk about like uh, uh, empires falling. We talk about empires rising. We're not really talking about up and down, right? We're talking about power and things like that. And he's using metaphor. There was a lot of metaphor in those days, uh, just like there are today, you know? We heard the thunders of heaven today. We heard the, sky, you know, the sun was gone today. We heard, uh, you know, the, the sky uh, falling However, you want to, you know, I, we just had rain, you know, but um, that's what he's kind of talking about. He's telling his disciples, remember, he's with just them, and he's saying, things are going to change. Things are going to be happening within your lifetime. Within your lifetime, they're going to happen. And he says, they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, a lot of times we see paintings of this where we see people kind of suffering down here and we see God in the swimsuit coming down from heaven like he's, you know, doing a, a dive, you know. And um, he's quoting Daniel again from this. Daniel seven thirteen. I saw 
one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the ancient one and was presented before him. Everything that I've read on this is not about Jesus coming down. It's about Jesus going up. What he's telling his disciples here is that things are going to get dark. They're going to take me away from you. I'm going to be crucified. And then you will see me rise. And you will see me ascend. You will see me open that gateway from earth and heaven. And everyone will know, it says, everyone will know that I am God. And then he talks about that, the passage that I, I really want to uh, press here is this one. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken, one will be left. We often attribute this to the end times, and we often attribute it to something that was not even in existence until the 1800s, and that is the rapture. And a lot of us, we, we, we talk about this, we, we fear it, and all of this kind of stuff, and some people sternly believe it, some people don't. In, in my opinion, I follow the people that don't. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, if Jesus is talking about things that are going to happen in their generation, what he's trying to tell them is that a couple of things. I'm going to be crucified. You're going to see me rise. I'm going to ascend. And then Rome is going to annihilate Jerusalem. The very temple that you hold dear, that you see as your sacred club, is going to be removed. And it's going to happen when you least expect it. This is not about an elite group of people being taken up. This is a warning that when Rome comes, one of you will be taken away and killed. Some of you may not. You might be cooking with somebody, and when Rome comes, you might lose the person right next to you. It's a warning about the dark days that are coming. And the reason that this is so important for me to give an opinion on this is because this over the years, remember, the first century Christians never, never uttered the word rapture. They did, it wasn't in their, they did not see the end times as Jesus coming and plucking people out and then coming back. They saw it as them going to greet God in one thing. They saw it as the one event. And their actions prove that because what Jesus is dealing with right now and what he has just been criticizing the religious leaders for is the idea that they are elitist, that they are the chosen ones, that they are special, that God likes them best and hates these guys. That they're safe, they're not. And what Jesus is warning is that attitude is leading to the destruction of the temple. 
that attitude of your safe place where you think that you have this special club that you can decide who gets in and who gets out is going to crumble. And why? Because God's love is for everybody. God's love is for everybody. That's the message of Christ. God's love is for everybody. Now, if that's the message, if his biggest criticism is on how we treat our neighbor, which is everybody, then why would he talk about a plan of these folks are going to suffer greatly, but you can turn your back on it because you're special? How does that match any Christian philosophy of love your neighbor? This is the guy that said, love your enemy. This is the guy that said, there is no greater love than giving your life for a friend. The Christians in the first century, when there was a disaster, when there were things that happened, they did not say, ah, well, they must not have been a favorite. What they did is they went to the disaster and they helped people. They cared for their neighbor whether they knew him or not. No matter who they were, they made sure that they were fed. They started education programs. They were there to start helping their community. Not judging their community, but helping their community. This is what Jesus, in my opinion, is trying to stress so much that in any given moment, things could take a turn. Are you ready? In other words, are you caring for the person next to you? Are you, are you loving the person that is in the same world as you? Are you showing that Christian love? You know, we're, we're based on the Methodism started in, in England, but there's a wonderful organization called uh, UMCOR. UMCOR has been around for a long time, and what they do is if there's a natural disaster, if there's a flood, if there's a hurricane, they are grabbing volunteers and, they, and teams of people, and they land there, and they don't, they don't leave until the task is complete. They don't run from it. They don't step aside and say, stinks to be you. They actually go to it. They have boxes of food. They collect throughout the churches. They collect flood buckets, things like that. Neighbors was involved in that. We collected flood buckets when there was a flood, I think, in uh, Colorado. They're known, their reputation is known for being the first there and the last to leave. Even after all the other organizations leave, they're still there. That's what we're called to do. Think of that as a mini, a mini rapture moment, if you would. Things happen. Our Christian philosophy, the thing that we follow, the Christ that we follow, is don't just say, I am special, and turn your back on them, but help them. Be there for them. Our job is to continue to share the love of Jesus Christ. Remember that. It's not about saying, and over the years, we have put this into a box where we get to say, uh, I'm in here. 
God likes me. He doesn't like you. I'm going to be special. You're going to suffer, but I'll pray for you. We like to use that phrase as a weapon sometimes. That's what Christ is criticizing when he says, this temple, everything that you say is this elite club, it'll crumble. The safety that you know, that you think that is so special, will fall. But the most important thing that's going to happen is everybody will know I'm God. And what does that mean? I'm, I'm here for you. And I love you. And be ready. Be ready. The thing that he was so adamant about is you do not know when things are going to change, so be ready. Imagine, here's an uplifting comment, imagine this was the last day of your life. What would you do? If we really truly spent every day like it was the last, what would, what would suddenly become less important to you? Would, would the things that you fear out there and the things that you want to hate and the resentment that you have and all the problems that you just have with this person that irked you on the road and all of this kind of stuff, and you didn't like what that person called you and you didn't like what this thing called you, you've got 24 hours. Is that what you're going to hang on to? Or are you going to hang on to what's important to you? Are you going to cherish the things that suddenly they truly matter? Are you going to think about the person next to you that has meant so much to you and you haven't told them lately. Is this the day you tell them? Do you have somebody in your life right now that has meant the world to you that maybe you've had a disagreement with? Maybe you're hanging on to stuff. Maybe this is the day that you say, you know what? This is what's important. This is what's important. Are we going to spend the last 24 hours in, in fear, worrying about things like uh, politics and what side this is on and who's this and all of this kind of stuff? Or are we going to spend those last 24 hours joyfully experiencing each other, joyfully loving the person that you hold dear. You know that neighbor that cuts you off in traffic? I don't know what it is about merging in Lincoln, but boy, we hate them, don't we? I mean, if somebody <laughs> wants to get in a lane, we just we think they've punched your grandmother in the face or something. Would that matter? Would love and peace actually become the things that are most important? Would laughter become the most important? I, a real quick story. 
many of you know my wife. She's around the corner actually running the camera today. About uh, a year ago, we had, we had quite a scare. Her health got really bad. Uh, she, um, I talk about this all the time. You'd think I'd get over this, but uh, came real close to, to losing her. But before I tell you that, I want to tell you this. You know, those, uh, there are, there's a genre of movies that I love to watch. They are universal monster movies of the 1930s and 40s. The original Dracula with Bela Lugosi, where he talked like this, come here. They're hokey, they're stupid, and they're funny, and I love them. And I got my wife hooked on them when we first got married. And there's this guy called Renfield that gets kind of a hypnotizer taken over by Dracula. And he was this normal guy, and now all he does is he just walks around creepy like this, you know? And he has this laugh, he just goes, ha, 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 You don't sound as into it as I do, but it's, <laughs> it's really funny and it's good. And every once in a while, Allison and I, together, we will just, uh, you know, I'll look at her and I'll just go, <laughs> There was a day when she was in the hospital, she was at the wound center. She had, uh, she had gotten a wound here and it became uh, infected and she was really near death. And... Uh, She was gray. She had a <laughs> breathing apparatus hooked to her because she couldn't breathe. And uh, because it was the wind center, they had a curfew. And they kicked me out. And I wondered if that was going to be the last day that I was going to see her. Horrible feeling. And the entire ride home, I didn't care about anything else. I cared about Allison. I cared about how much I loved her. Went over all the good times and the joyful times. The importance of life suddenly just narrowed. About 11.30... I got a phone call. It was from the hospital, and I thought, I cared to answer it. And I grabbed my phone, and I realized it was actually a, a text. And it was a voice recording. You know, you sit there and you wonder, do I even want to push this? And I pushed it, and it was Allison. And what did she say? <laughs> Every day counts. Don't spend it on the things that truly don't matter. Spend it cherishing 
the things that do. Remember to love. Remember to laugh. Remember to enjoy each other. Remember, Christ is God, and God is love. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, let us take one day at a time, sometimes one moment at a time, but let us, let us breathe. Let us realize what is truly, truly important. It's not the things, it's not the, the hatred, it's not the, it's you. It's, it's not about us uh, going away when bad things happen. It's about us there for our neighbor. It's about us there for each other. It's about shoulders to cry on. It's about hugs to be given. It's about walking this world with you. Help us remember that every step of the way. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. I love seeing the babies here. I love seeing new life. I love hearing their voices. It reminds me that an old saying, not just live every day like it's your last, but also live it like it's your first. In other words, start fresh. Forgive yourself for things. Forgive others for things. Be open to conversations. Hear things for the first time. See nature for the first time. Experience God for the first time. And just like it's your last day, share it. Enjoy it. Love it. We only have a short time. Spend it with what truly matters. Loving God. Loving yourself. Loving your neighbor. Amen.